0: Welcome to the Thrive Church Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this message today. Thanks for tuning in. As I was in worship this morning, I was just reminded of a verse from Genesis chapter 26, verse 12. And I, I believe it's for some people here this morning, and maybe it's for someone who's uh, watching online today. And it's just a, a powerful verse that impacted my life uh, at a time when I was... Uh, being asked to consider being part of a launch team for a church in Rotorua 31 years ago. And I was questioning God whether I was to be, and Jane and I were to be, uh, responding to this call. And God gave me this verse and uh, came back to me in worship today. And this verse goes like this. Then Isaac sowed in that land. Everyone say that land. And reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. I was questioning God whether, I, whether I, we were to go to Rotorua, because we weren't living in Rotorua, obviously, at that time. And uh, that land didn't look that flash to me back then. Uh, I was living in a place called Fakatane, And uh, it's a beautiful coastal uh, spot, glorious beaches, Ohopi Beach, and, you know, sunshine, the best sunshine hours in the North Island. And God was calling me to the rainiest place in the in the center of the North Island. And, uh, you know, and I, and I just, it dawned on me, Isaac sowed in that land. And I got excited because I saw that when he sowed in that land, he reaped. And he just didn't reap a little, he reaped a hundredfold. And I believe God would, was saying to my heart, if you will go to that land, if you will go to that land and sow into that land, I'm going to bless you. And I'm not just going to bless you a little, I'm going to bless you a lot. The trouble is that when you look at that land, and I want to say this is not about Rotorua. This is about the environment of sowing. The environment of sowing into that land. Let me give you some background to it. When Isaac went into this land called Geria, it was foreign land. It had nothing to do with him. He was an alien going in there. He was a foreigner going in there. So he didn't own land. He didn't have any lease on the land. And God's saying, sow into this land. And he like has to go to the king and say, you got any kind of rubbish land that you could give me to plant some crops in? And the, and the king says, oh, there's this field over here. No one wants it. No one wants this, hunt, this field. So not only was it foreign land, it wasn't great land. Not only that, they were in a time of famine, which is why he was moving in any case, because he had to get out of his land. So it wasn't his land, it wasn't ideal land, it wasn't ideal environment, it wasn't ideal time, and God was calling him to risk it all to sow into that land. And for somebody here today, and you're being challenged by the season that this church is in, and you know there's an appeal for you know, finance at this hour, it's never going to be ideal. It's never going to be the right environment. It's never going to be like you're just stacked with money that you can give right now. But here's the thing the Lord is saying, will you sow into that land? Will you just not look at the environment of what you're looking at or your bank balance that you're looking at or whatever is happening around your world? Would you rather look at my word? I'm pleased to say that I responded to that call. And that was 31 years ago. In 1990, we left Paketane and went to Rotorua. Trying to get my my reo right. Because I'm in like that kingdom. And God has blessed us. Incredibly, people said, you're crazy going to Rotorua. It's a preacher's graveyard. It wasn't easy but we're having the time of our lives. I'd love you to come and visit what we have. And maybe someone here today, I just want to say, that land is never going to be ideal. But if that's the land God's called you to sow into, we can trust his word that we will reap a harvest in that land. Somebody say amen this morning. If you have your Bibles team with me, by the way, so good to be with Thrive Church this morning. I have so longed, Pastor Glenn, to be preaching in this house. This house has a reputation. This house across this nation is so well known. And I'm going, man, when do I get to go to Thrive? 2 <laughs> Kings chapter 4, verses 8 to 21. And I do have a lot of scripture to read this morning. And this should be coming up on the screen behind me. I trust the people in the AV team. Now, it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem. Everyone say Shunem. Shunem. Where there was a notable woman. And she persuaded him to eat some food. And so it was that as often as he passed by, he would turn in there and eat some food. And she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please, let us make a small upper room on the wall." And let us put a bed in there for him. And let us put a table and a chair and a lampstand. And so it will be that whenever he comes to us, he can turn in here. And it happened one day that he came. And he turned into the upper room and he lay down there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call in the Shunammite woman. And when he had called her in, she stood before him. And, he said, uh, and she said to him, uh, Say now to her, Look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? And she answered and says, I dwell amongst my own people. And so we said, well, what then is to be done for her? And then Gehazi said, she actually has no son. Because he was being polite, right? She said he has no son and her husband is old. You've just got to fill in the gaps with that one. And so he said, call her. And so she called her and she stood in the doorway. And he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. But the woman conceived and bore a son. And when the appointed time had come, of which Elisha had told her, the child grew. And now it happened one day that as he was older, he went out with his father to be with the reapers. And he said to his father, my head, my head. And so he said to a servant, carry him to his mother. When he had been taken and brought to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then he died. She carried him up and she laid him on the bed in the upper room of the man of God and shut the door and left him there. Now we have to jump down to verse 31. Because she goes and she calls for Elisha. And now Gehazi in verse 31 says, "...went on ahead of them and laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Therefore he went back to meet him and told Elisha, saying, the child is not awakened." Then Elisha came into the house where the child was, lying on Elisha's bed, right? And he went and therefore shut the door behind him, uh, there's just the two of them in the room, and he prayed to the Lord. He went up, lay on the child, put his mouth on his mouth, eyes on his eyes, hands on his hands, and he stretched himself out over the child, and the flesh of the child became warm. He returned, walked back and forth into the house, and again went up, stretched himself out on him, and the child sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Awesome stuff. And he called Gehazi and said, call the Shunammite woman. So he called her, and when she came into him, she said, pick up your son. So she went in, fell at his feet, bowed to the ground, and she picked up her son and went out. Don't you love the end of this great story? I don't want to focus on the end of the story today. I want to focus on what happened prior to the end of the story. Because this story is all about a woman who made room for God. And that's the title of my message this morning is making more room in your life for God. When people make room in their life, I wanna say to you this morning, that's actually the seedbed for miracles. When you make more room in your life, you're actually laying a foundation for God to do miracles in your life, as I see from the story. We want the miracles of God, but we seldom make the room for God to do the miracles. We don't want to take anything of our own and lay it aside and say, God, I give it to you, but I want to tell you when we do that, we lay a foundation for God to do miracles in our life. And this is season for this church is a season of expansion. It's a season where you can grow and it's a season where it's going to cost you as members of this church to sow into that but I want to tell you if you will sow you are actually making room for God to do miracles in your life and in your world somebody say amen this morning we want the miracles of God but do we realize that the seedbed for miracles is to make room I want to give you five points this morning about how this woman made room for God number one are you ready this morning When you make room for God, it means making room for people. It means making room for people. What was the purpose of that room? It was for people. It was for travelers and especially those doing the ministry and the work of God. She was making room for the ministry. Verse 9, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Verse 10, please let us make a small upper room on the wall. This is a warm and welcoming church so please hear me out I am I am I am not here to challenge you I felt the the love but before this church expands physically it has to expand internally we have to make room on the inside of us I have probably one of the excuse me one of the biggest church buildings around and it was a struggle to fill it until a revelation came one day it wasn't the size of the building that we had it was the size of the building that was inside of me That I had to make more room and and we have to teach our people that we have to be people of hospitality. And this is a warm and welcoming church, but I want to say that when people come in, it's not the hospitality team's job to make them feel welcome. It's not a team ministry that's to make people feel welcome. More people have joined our church, not because of the hospitality team, but because people who sat in the rows got to know them and said, would you come to my place for lunch? Would you like to come to my place for a meal? We have people in our church who's, who don't feel they can take people back to their home. So they've said, is it all right if we take people to the food court after church? I said, would you do that? They said, yes, we want to be involved in making people feel included. But we don't feel our, we could do that at our home, but we don't want to stop making room. We're going to make room for God. It's not just making a physical room, it's making the internal room of our heart bigger. Somebody say amen this morning. And I'm saying to Thrive Church today, I'm not challenging you, you do it well, but there is more. You need to enlarge the place of your habitation. You need to stretch out the curtains and lengthen the ropes and strengthen the stakes and cause God to do something the miraculous on there will happen when we allow Him to do something miraculous in here. Second thing, when we make room for God, it's going to involve you giving your resources. How did the woman pay for the room? Out of her resources. Out of her resources, they, they never went to Pastor Glenn and said, Pastor Glenn, we'd like to make a room on our house. Would, would Thrive Church like to fund this room? <laughs> Crazy, isn't it? Yet sometimes that's how we view things. When we view ministry, we think, I'll do this ministry, but, but surely the, this ministry can pay for it. I go to my people and I remind them of the scripture and I remind them of the Shunammite woman who was prepared to use her resources to make room for God. They used their bank account to make room for God. And then they didn't stop at just building the room. It says they furnished it with a bed and a chair and a table and a lampstand. Things. 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 Oh, we can get so attached to things. I was loaned a car this weekend to use, and I was blessed by that car. You know, I could have had a rental car, but I got a blessed car. (laughs) And I was just so blessed because someone made room. And I thought, this is how the kingdom works. When people make room. Every time I've loaned my trailer, it comes back damaged. Have you found that? (laughs) I have not scratched the car at this point, Peter. (laughs) When we make room for God, it's going to involve us giving up our resources. Is there an amen in the house? Oh, I know you might not like this message. Pastor Glenn rang me 13 days ago and said we we're in an expansion drive. Can you do something about giving? I said, what a preacher's nightmare to come into the church that I long to come to and preach the happy message, and you want me to preach about giving? Oh, hate me! They will never want me back. He didn't quite say it like that. He said you had the freedom to preach whatever's on your heart. Are you happy this morning? Because the word of God, it's challenging, it's sharp. My Bible tells me it's sharper than a two edged sword, but it separates between bone and marrow. It separates between the sweet things and the hard things. It makes us people who can be used by God, and we want to be people who make room for Him. Can you say, Amen? Number three, when you make room for God, let me tell you this it's not a one off event. It's not a one off event. How do I know this? Well, in verse 8, it says this, and it happened that as often as he passed by, he would turn in and he would use that room and then you know what? He would eat their food. They may have made room once. It was awesome, but it wasn't a once-off event. It was ongoing. We are called to not an one-off offering and there will be times when we sacrifice greatly. We are called to a lifestyle of giving. Your expansion offering is something that we do, and ours is on May the 6th. So we're in the same zone, Pastor Glenn. And so this is our expansion offering. Our, we call it ours, our vision offering. For years, it was called our building offering. But after we got our building, I needed a new name. By the way, we, we you know, raised over the last 25 years a lot of money through people's faithful giving, through their faithful giving. And I realized a long time ago it wasn't about getting a building. It was about advancing the kingdom of God. And I want you to know today that when you give into your expansion offering, it's got really nothing to do with that, what happens with that money. It's about the advancement of the kingdom of God in Rangiora. it's about the advancement of the King of God in this community. It's about the advancement in the King of God, kingdom of God in this nation. And it happens when we make room. But it is not a one-off event. Number four, this is the exciting part. Out of the room, out of that room that she made, came her miracle. Oh, isn't that amazing? Where was it when she got the word? Where was it when she got that prophetic word? That, that in a year's time, she would have her dream. In a year's time, she would cuddle the thing that she had most wanted all her life. Where was it? It was in that room. I wanna tell you today, if she had never made that room, if she had never done what she had done, she would never have received her promise. She would never have received her dream. She would never have received her miracle if she had not taken the energy and the effort and the resource to make that And we love Jesus with all our hearts. But have we ever done something that made room for the miracle that God wants to do in our lives? Verse 13 it says, And he said to Gehazi, Now say to her, Look, you have been very concerned with us for all our care. What can I do for you? She never asked the man of God for a child, they just perceived there was a longing in her heart for a child. And when he spoke it out, her reaction revealed how longing her heart was because she said, do not mess with my emotions. Don't build up my hopes so that I had them dashed. I've been, I've been wanting a child for years. How could you say this to me that God in a year is gonna give us a child when for years it hasn't happened? And what was the difference? Because in this season, she had made room. Wow. And I believe God is calling us as believers, to not just be people who believe in Jesus, but put our trust in Him with the room, who put our faith in Him for the room. We want miracles, but will we put our trust in Him for the room? Somebody say amen today. And so she builds the room, out of the room, in the doorway, it says she's standing in the very doorway of her room. He prophesies in a year's time, you'll have your dream." Wow. Did God deliver? Yes, He did. But here's the interesting thing. And this is point number five. The enemy seeks to rob from your room. The enemy will seek to rob from your room. The very miracle that God does in your room, don't be surprised if the enemy comes to rob from your room. And so it was that a miracle that baby boy one day dies, struck down. I don't know if you've, seen things like this happen, but I've seen people get born again and their life transformed and then in a very short space of time, disaster has happened around their life, marriage breakdown, all kinds of crazy things, and they go. And it's like the enemies just robbed them. You ever seen things like that happen? Why? Because there is nothing more the devil wants to do that take away from the miraculous power of God where he has taken somebody who has made room and they have seen their miracle. He wants to destroy that miracle. He will target that. He will go after that. And we have to realize that we have to teach our people that when God does something amazing in your life, we better armor up because there is one who comes to rob, kill, and destroy. But this is the amazing thing. When this woman, and she carries her son to that room. Where does she go? She goes to the room of her miracle. She goes back to that room. Oh, sometimes when we're going forward, we've got to go back to that place where God did something amazing. We've got to find ourselves in that place again. And she finds herself in that room. She lays the child on the bed. The bed that she had gifted to Elisha, she lays the child on the bed. She calls for the man of God. I don't know how many days it took. The Bible tells us this boy was cold. He had death all over him. Jehazi came back and said, he's dead. Elisha says, keep going. They come into the room, the same room. The same room where miracles had happened. Now there was death. I am so glad this woman didn't just take death and say, that's the end, it's over. I'm so glad she wasn't a person that said, you know, God can't do miracles because he's already done a miracle in my life. Even though the devil has come and robbed me of my miracle, I'm not gonna stop. This story doesn't end here. This story doesn't end with the loss of my miracle. I'm reaching out now for God to restore my dream, to restore my miracle, to bring back to life those things that had died. And we have to realize that there will be times when the enemy will rob from us, but that's not where the story ends. That is not where we lay down and die. That is where we rise up as a woman who's made room says, this is not how the story ends. Elisha came and lay on that boy and resurrected. We serve a resurrecting Jesus. We serve a resurrection Jesus. Oh, the devil does come to rob, kill and destroy. But Jesus destroyed every work of death and darkness that the enemy came to do. He is our resurrection and our life and we have to be people who will go to the room. Sorry if I'm getting a bit excited this morning. Because I can feel a miracle in this room today. There's faith in this room for a miracle and that's, that's what the enemy hates. He hates faith. Thanks again for tuning in to the Thrive Church weekly podcast. Stay up to date with everything that is happening by following us on social media.